And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry, man. Sam Spade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> guys, guys, guys! Fellas, think we could listen to the radio or something? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amare, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the astonishing Lisa Wolf. In this hour, it's Casey Crime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth from 1948. But it's time now for Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous? The Music Edition. Lisa will play clips from popular songs and provide a statement about each song. My job is to guess if that statement is real or ridiculous while you play along at home. Right, Lisa? Right, Carl. And in this edition, these are all songs about cars. 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 And is there a pizza on the line? There sure is. Oh, wow. So if I get them all right... Lisa owes me a pizza. Right. And if I get them all wrong, Lisa owes me a pizza. <laughs> exactly. That's how it works. Right? No matter how what, I am the big loser here. Yeah. Right. right. I like that. Yeah. Uh, my odds are pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Then I'm going to lose. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's see how it Let's goes. See. Here's your first song. Little Red Corvette by Prince, released yep. in 1983. Prince, one of my favorites. No. So here's your statement. Listen carefully. Okay, my statement. In 2001, Chevrolet put up billboards with a picture of a red 1963 Corvette that said, quote, they don't write songs about Ferraris. Real or ridiculous? That sounds absolutely real. Sounds real. Um. Okay, real. Okay, I'm sorry. It's ridiculous. <laughs> what the quote says is they don't write songs about Volvos. Really? That's the actual billboard. Ah. Hmm. Ah. I changed it to Ferrari. Okay. So, all right. All right. Hang so, on. You're All off right. to a good start. Darn. Okay. Here's your next Sounded piece. real. It did. <laughs> Here's your next song. And with the radio blasting, goes cruising just as fast as she can now. And she'll have fun, fun, fun till your daddy takes your T-bird away. Yep, this is Fun, Fun, Fun by the, the Beach, Beach Boys. Boys. 1964 album called Shutdown Volume. Wow, the year you were born, Lisa. 64. 1964. Okay, sir, year. everybody know. 59 years old. You know, you, no, I'm not, actually. You're not I've yet? not had a birthday yet this year. Oh, that's right. It's coming up, though. It is coming up. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun till your daddy takes your T-bird away. I won't be here that night, but... Uh, <laughs> I won't be here. Good, I don't have to bring you a cake. Oh, no, you, you can do it. This, you can do it the week before. All right. All right. Here's your statement. Okay. The Carpenters covered this song in 1996. 
real or ridiculous? Real. Let's listen. See. And she'll have fun, fun, fun till her daddy Back to Carpenters. Did you know that for fact? Oh, I didn't know that. Sounds so different. But you know I'm a huge Carpenters fan, so. Yeah. Got a different vibe. It sounds Great. so wholesome, it doesn't good, it? Though. I mean, nobody does it like the beach. No, place. I know. All right. All right. Well, there will be no pizzas tonight. I guess no pizza. <laughs> Here's the next song. Radar Love. Radar Love. Yeah. Radar Love. So, Radar Love by Golden Earring, number 13 on the charts in 1974. Yeah. Here's your statement. All right. This song is featured in an episode of Family Guy called Brian Goes to College. Real or Ridiculous? Ridiculous. Right, let's listen to the clip. Oh, man, I love this song. I've been driving all night and it's wet on the wheel. Yeah. Do, 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 do. This is the Simpsons. Yeah. Homer sings this song on an episode of The Simpsons called Barked on the Road. <laughs> so I'm right. So you're incorrect. I'm incorrect. You, Listen to you me. You said Family Guy. That's The Simpsons. So I'm correct. I said, in, I said ridiculous. Carlos, correct. Oh, yeah. wait. You said ridiculous? Yeah, I said ridiculous. You did? Yeah. Oh, okay, then you're right. <laughs> <laughs> she will try to win any way she oh, possibly can. Oh, I said Family can. Guy and you said ridiculous? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Why did I think you had I don't, it? Because you're, you're a cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You need Prevagen now, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> all uh, right, all right. Here's your last song. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's Bruce. That's a boss. There is. Pink Cadillac, Bruce Springsteen, 1984. See, Bruce let, used to let me sing that song oh, on, when I was on tour with Sure, him. so you know everything about it. Absolutely. The Bible. Temptation always comes along. I love this song. All right, well, here's your statement. All right. Diana Ross covered this song in 1987. Real or ridiculous? Ridiculous. Let's listen. That's not Diana Ross. That's Natalie Cole. Yeah. So you only got one wrong. Wow, you but almost sold me a pizza. Almost, but not quite. Darn, darn, darn. <laughs> it's Listen, been a while. Nobody sings this song like the boss, except for me. Except for you, yeah. of course. Well, you sang with it. Well, so. I, I, yeah. So, kind of like, you're almost like I mean, Bruce Springsteen. I mean, look, I like Natalie Cole, don't get me wrong, but nobody sings yep. this song like the boss. Well, that's true. You know? Yep. All right, Lisa Wolf. All right, good try. All right, did All right. pretty darn good there, see? Yes, you did. Pretty, but pretty. not quite good enough. You know, if I didn't have arthritis in my shoulder. You'd pat yourself on the back. I would. Gotcha. All right, when we come back, it's Casey, crime photographer. Stick around. I can't deal with a plan.
More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. All right, time for Casey, crime photographer. This was um, an amateur detective series. Uh, It was all about... The character Jack Flashgun Casey, who was first seen in pulp magazines. Casey was a newspaper cameraman who took crime scene photos, Lisa. And his keen eye for details served him well because he solved the crimes he was assigned to photograph. And while he was waiting for his next assignment, he killed time with his gal pal Annie Williams at the Blue Note Cafe run by Ethelbert, the bartender. This uh, radio series came to the airwaves in 1943, and it starred Jim Backus. Jim Backus. There was Thurston Howell III on Gilligan's Island. But uh, soon after, Stotts Cotsworth took over and played the role all the way until 1955. It did make a transition to television, starring Richard Carlyle, and then later Darren McGavin played KC on television. This is a radio broadcast from August 11th, 1949, called Death of a Stranger. This does star Stotts Cotsworth. Here's part one now of Casey, crime photographer. Philip Morris presents Crime Photographer. Good evening. This is Ken Roberts greeting you for Philip Morris and inviting you to listen to another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole, our adventure for tonight, Death of a Stranger. Morning, a little after 10 o'clock. Behind a massive desk in the richly appointed office that is a part of his home sits Robert Hyden, whose lucrative business is the buying and selling of rare stamps. A door opens and his brother enters. Uh, what do you want, Ronald? An old fellow outside wants to see you. Who is he? He wouldn't give me his name. He said you'd know who he was if I told you he has... Uh, the three skilling orange era. 
He has the three skilling orange arrows. Well, don't ask me for an explanation. He wouldn't give me any. For your information, Ronald, the three skilling orange error is a Swedish stamp. The only one known to exist is owned by an ex-king who would be a most unlikely visitor to this office. Your man outside is a nut. Get rid of him. But the old chap acted perfectly sane. I said get rid of him. Very well. Oh, wait, wait, Ronald. Can't you learn the least thing about a secretary's duties? I've uh, done something wrong again. You've just wasted my time, Ronald. Look, I've had to support you most of your life and mine. When my son Horace was taken ill, you offered to take over his job. But you've been nothing but a bother. Now, 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 file these letters, and correctly, please. I'm going upstairs and see Horace. He's gone out for a walk. Why, the doctor told him to stay in bed. Oh, that young fool. If he has a relapse when I need him, I... will see if he's gone out. Answer that telephone and say that I'm out. Uh, oh, wait, 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 right. wait. I'm expecting a call from my son, Arthur. If it's him on the wire, say I'll have that check for him this afternoon and not to bother me about it before then. What check? Oh, he'll know about it. Uh, pick up that telephone. I'm going up to the back stairs. Robert Hayden's office. His uh, secretary speaking. Well, you're learning, Uncle Ronald. Soon you'll be a better secretary than I am. Oh, it's you, Horace. Mm-hmm. Is Dad there? He just went upstairs to raise the dickens if he found you out of bed. Well, I'm down in Market Square. I walked all the way here and I feel fine. Oh, your dad won't like it. Does he ever like anything I do or you do? The only member of the family who ever gets a decent word out of him is my little brother Arthur. Is he around now? No, but your father's expecting him, uh, I think, to pick up a check. <laughs> Another check for the fair-haired boy, huh? When I want extra money, the old man tells me to live on the salary he pays me. Well, now, Horace, your father tries to Dad. be... Ju- Uncle Ronald! What? Uh, Come here! Someone! Help! What was that, Uncle? Your brother, Arthur, he, he's yelling. Uh, hold the wire, Horace. I, uh, Uncle Ronald! What's wrong, Arthur? I just came into the outer office, and I found that man. Look at him! Good Arthur, Ronald, what's going on here? I... Who is that? That's the stranger who wanted to see you, Robert, the man who gave me that message. There's a knife in his throat. I I found him slumped in the chair like that. Is he dead? Yes, Arthur, the man's dead. Looks like suicide. What's your verdict, Doctor? This man did not commit suicide, Captain Logan. I told you this was a murder. Shut up, Casey. Go on, Doc. The knife entered the old fellow's neck at an impossible angle for self-infliction. Oh, seems I never get an easy one. The people in this house say they never saw the guy until this morning. They have no idea who he is or why he came here. Can we have the knife now, Doc? Yes, I'm finished. Muller, dust it for fingerprints. Right. And you, Sergeant, make a thorough search of the body. Yes, sir. Now, can I interview the people who found the body now, Captain? You've Muller? already interviewed a Miss Williams, and Casey got their pictures. You sent them upstairs before we could finish our job, That's pal. all we know It's about... all I know so far. We heard exactly the same story from Robert Hyden, his brother, and his two sons. Now, prints on the knife, Captain. That's just swell. Did you find anything on the body, Sergeant? Looks to me like the killer went through the guy's pockets, Captain. Well, how about identifying marks in his clothing? No labels, no laundry marks to help us either. The guy must have had a wife who washed his clothes or he did it himself. Uh-uh. He doesn't look to me like a fellow who'd do his own laundry. Why? Well, look at his face. You can tell he was a nervous, sensitive, artistic type, Logan. 
His kind go dirty before they'll do boresome jobs like washing clothes. Uh. Yeah, this guy had an interesting face, Annie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a nice face. At a time like this, you talk about an interesting face? Sergeant, ask the Heidens to come downstairs, all of them. I want to talk to him again. Right, Captain. You think one of them may have been the killer, Captain? Miss Williams, how can I think anything yet about this case? I merely ask. Hyden has quite a fancy setup in this big old house, hasn't he? He's many times a millionaire. Did he make his dough in the rare stamp business, Logan? Oh, in the stock market. I understand he made a big killing there and sorted the proceeds away and quit speculating and made a business out of what had been his hobby. I've heard that he's recognized as one of the world's greatest authorities on uh, philately. On what, Annie? Philately. It means stamp collecting. Oh. You, uh, you wish to ask us further questions, Captain? Yes, Mr. Hyden. Uh, come in, all of you. Well, I'm sure there's nothing any of us can tell you. Now, this lower floor of your house is devoted entirely to your business, Mr. Hyden? Yes, it's kept separate from my living quarters. My, my clients enter this reception room directly from the street as they'd uh, enter a shop. My private office is in there, and my secretary has a room off that door. Your and son is acted as your secretary? My eldest son, Horace, until several weeks ago when he was taken ill. Since then, my brother has attempted the work. Very clumsily, I'm afraid. Hmm. Of course, you might have trained Arthur to take my place, Dad. I have no head for business, Horace. You simply have no head, Art. No, look That's here. enough, boys. <laughs> but I... Uh, <clears throat> Mr. Ronald, you say the stranger gave you the impression that his message about the three-skilling orange error would mean something to your brother? Mr. Kissy, The I... stranger couldn't have given such an impression. He didn't know me, and I didn't know him. My question was addressed to Ronald, Mr. Hyden. Hmm. Well, I, I did believe the stranger knew you, Robert. He seemed so confident that you'd see him. You're a fool. Now, Mr. Hyden, you left your private office shortly after you received the stranger's message. Yes. You didn't come into this reception room, then? No. I went directly up the back stairs, and I didn't come down until I heard my son Arthur yelling for help. I thought something was happening to him. Arthur. Yes, Captain? You said you walked in here from the street and saw the dead man. That's right. Uh, I've never seen a fellow just stabbed himself. It seemed all I could do was yell for help. Uh, At that time, Horace, you were talking to your uncle over the phone, huh? Ah, yes, Mr. Casey. I'd called Dad's office from a booth in the Market Square drugstore. I held the wire while Uncle Ronald went to learn the reason for Arthur's yells, and when he came back on the wire and told me the reason, well, I naturally flagged a cab and hurried home. You reached here before we cops did, Mr. Horace. Yes, you policemen certainly took your time in getting well, here. Well, if you'd correctly reported the stranger's death, we'd have come here faster, Mr. Hyden. What do you mean? You said the man had committed suicide, but we found a murder. What? what? That man didn't kill himself? He did not kill himself. Well, but then... Who killed him? And why? That's something I think one of you four men can tell me. Now he's thinking, Annie. Yes, Casey. And I wonder where it'll get him. Just a minute, Mr. Nestor Camp. I'm fixing up your order. Uh, you say Logan got nowhere's with them Hydens, huh, Casey? No, nowhere at all, Etherbert. They haven't changed their stories a bit. And the victim's identity has to be known before Captain Logan can hope to prove that one of the Hydens or anybody had reason to kill him. Logan lost his sense of values on this one, Annie. Showed his hand too soon. There's no new clue to the stranger's identity, huh? Nope. That makes things really tough. 
Do you think any one of them hidings could have done it except the one who was telephoning from Market Square? I don't know. Hmm. And we won't know anything about this stranger until... You know, that guy's face haunts me, Annie. No, it's the kind of a face that you don't forget. Yeah. If the paper had print that close-up I took of him... Oh, somebody would be sure to identify it. Why won't they print it? Well, did you ever see a close-up of a guy with a fresh knife wound in his throat? Mm, no. Well, you won't. In any family newspaper, Ethelbert. Too many customers wouldn't like it. Well, I'm a customer, and I wouldn't object. Well, all right, pal. You asked for it. Here's the picture I took of the dead stranger. Oh. You see? Yeah. Hey! That dead guy is Mr. Carfora. What? He lives in my neighborhood, Casey. Well, where? Well, who was he? Where? What was well, he? Oh, Mr. Carfor owns a little old house on Bay Street, just back at the lumberyard. He and my sister Edna sent their clothes to the same wash lady. And she says he'd done some kind of work in his house, but she didn't know what. Annie, we're going to that house on Bay Street right now. First, I'm going to kiss Ethelbert. Mm-hmm. Blue Note Cafe, Ethelbert speak. Oh. Oh, Miss Williams. <laughs> All right, that is the first portion of Casey Crime Photographer, August 11th, 1949, Death of a Stranger, that was uh, heard on CBS with Stotts, S-T-A-A-T-S, Stotts Cotsworth. That's quite the uh, moniker mm-hmm. when you say, hi, what's your name? Oh, my name is Lisa Wolf. What's your name? Stotts Cotsworth. It has character. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's starring along with uh, Jan Miner. You know who Jan Miner is. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it, Madge, the um, dishwashing manicurist. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We'll get back to Casey Crime Photographer in a moment. Don't forget, folks, we have a classic radio club. That's right. You're a listener of this show. You can join our club, Classic Radio Club. Get tons of classic radio shows sent to you on CD or via digital download. You automatically get the podcast of Hollywood 360, the full five-hour show each and every week sent to you on Mondays. You get the radio rarities sent to you. I mean, it's like the whole enchilada. Learn all about the Classic Radio Club by going to ClassicRadioClub.com. ClassicRadioClub.com. Learn all about it. Sign up. Become a Classic Radio Club member. All right, we have more of Casey Crime Photographer right after this. Stick around. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co Host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. 
And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Lisa, we're 25% of the way to our Kickstarter goal to release all 78 episodes of Bold Venture in pristine sound quality. Trying to um, raise some money to do the transfers to preserve this series, Bold Venture, starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. And I want to thank um, our listeners for helping to achieve this goal. If it isn't for our listeners, I don't think it's going to happen. We are um, we're in the midst of it. We, um, we've been doing this Kickstarter now for nine days. We're 25% of the way. And if we can make it to 100% of the way, we will release all 78 episodes. We'll have the funds necessary to have a professional transfer, which means cleaning... Um, it's like a sonic cleaning of the disc, and then it's special stylists and everything that take these big 16-inch transcription discs and professionally extract the audio from them. And there's a video of, on this process on the Kickstarter website, the Bold Venture Kickstarter website. There's also, because we did already um, transfer one show, so we have a three-minute audio clip so people can hear the quality. So if you do pledge some money towards making this happen, you can get all 78 shows. Now, 18 of those 78 shows have not been heard in over 70 years. They're lost shows. But we were able to license the entire 78 episodes from the producer's estate, Frederick W. Ziv, and he had... His 78 episodes, episode 1 through 78, in a temperature-controlled storage warehouse. And uh, we obtained all of those as part of the license. They are at the lab to be um, uh, transferred. They're at the lab, um, but it is not inexpensive to do that. It's, it's quite expensive. So we're, we're set up a Kickstarter and we're hoping that our listeners can help us save this series. Preserve Bold Venture for all of us now and into the future. And get the episodes. We want you to have the episodes if you're, if you're uh, pledging to make this happen. You can get all 78 episodes on 39 CDs. Or you can get them digitally downloaded. Or you can have less, obviously. You don't have to have all of them. Any pledge is helpful. We really are asking all of our listeners coast to coast to help us in this quest to make the transfer. And um, we really need your help to make this happen. And um, Lisa, I don't know, anything else you want to add? I was going to say, if you tuned out during any of that and you want more information, you can go to our... Uh, I put people to sleep. Well, well, you can go to our website. And as soon as you go to that, there'll be a pop-up that says Bold Venture. It's got a picture of Bogart and McCall right there. You click on it, it'll have all that information, including the video, and it'll give you a very detailed description of what's involved and all of the different levels of pledging. But again, any any amount is helping to support the preservation. Yeah, and when you do pledge, it does not take your pledge unless we hit the, the goal. So um, if you pledge something, we don't hit our goal, then you will not be charged. You will not get any shows, obviously. But if we hit our goal, you will get the shows based on your pledge. So um, 
you can also just search Bold Venture Kickstarter on uh, on the Internet. It'll take you right there. It's the first thing that pops up. Bold Venture Kickstarter. Just uh, search that. Or go to our website, as Lisa said, Hollywood360radio.com. Hollywood360radio.com. There will be a pop-up. Click it. takes you right to the website. Um, thanks for uh, everyone that has helped so far. We need more help. Get us all of the way there. We're 25% of the way. Try to get us all the way there, and we will release these shows for the world. Bold Venture. It's a great series. Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall in their only regular radio series, and I can't wait to hear the 18 shows that have not been heard in over 70 years. And these are right from Ziv's Master Transcription Discs, and they sound incredible. Listen to the three-minute clip that we have at the website. And watch the video. The transfer process is pretty interesting. Um, all right. We're listening to Casey Crime Photographer, August 11th, 1949. Death of a Stranger, starring Stotts Cotsworth along with Jan Minor. And Ethelbert is played by John Gibson. He's great on these, uh, on these show. Ethelbert, the, um, the bartender. Let's tune this in. Casey Crime Photographer. That must be the place, Casey. Yeah, it is the place, kid. It's the only house in the back of the lumber yard. Oh, it's so dark, I can't see whether that's lumber piled back there or what. Oh, wait a minute, I got a flashlight here. We should have phoned Captain Logan to join us. We'll let that lug in on this after our exclusive is in the bag. Come on, Annie. You're going to break into the house? Oh, not break in, exactly. I'm kind of handy at opening doors without causing any damage. Well, I hope we can find something in there that establishes a motive for Kerfara's killing. Well, I have a hunch we will find something. Casey! Explosion! It was in Kafara's home! Hey, look, the place is on fire! That man! He's running from the house. Hey, you stay there, hey, Annie. Casey! Come back here! I get a good look at that. <laughs> He's shooting at you! Your ah. flashlight! Shot it right out of my hand. That was foolish, mister. You got no target now. <laughs> Another miss, fella. Try again. Now, ah. yeah, that gun flash gave me a target. Now I've got you! Casey! Blackout, Casey. The wallop I got was just a glancing blow. A weld on my head the size of... Uh, Ozzie, don't don't sit up. Sit still for a while. Don't try to move. We've got to get away from here, kid. That burning (coughs) house is throwing out too much heat. And smoke. Uh. Somebody's turned in a fire alarm. Yeah, the trucks are coming. I hear them. And it'll be too late to salvage much from that little shack. Any evidence we might have found there is ashes by now. The man who shot at us and slugged us set that fire. (coughs) Sure did. Annie. May find out something more. What you picked up? A gun. A hot revolver with an empty cylinder. Oh, that man dropped it after he hit us with it. Huh? And it might tell us who he is. Let's get it to Captain Logan. Wait a minute, Annie. Wait. The fireman will be on the job in a minute, and he'll cool off that little house in a hurry. I want to see what's in the ashes. <laughs> Uh, 
You say this guy, Carfolo, was an engraver, Casey? Well, that had been his trade, Logan, but the guy was essentially a hobbyist. And among other things, he went in for chemistry and photography. Annie and I saw the remains of some swell equipment in the ruins of his home. Yeah, we checked our findings there with neighbors who'd known him, Captain. Nobody knew him really well, but we're told that his main interest was uh, philately. Mm. Huh? Stamp collecting, dumbbell. Oh, stamp collecting. Well, anybody knows that. Yeah, we'll get the connection, though. Carfora was an absolute bug on stamps. He bought them constantly and is supposed to have owned some very rare books on the subject. His collection apparently was destroyed by the fire. And that fire was no accident, pal. It was set by the guy who slugged Dan and me. Have you any idea why? Captain Logan. Yes, Sergeant? I just got the report on the gun Casey found, sir. Oh, good. Swell. Well, let's have it. A permit for a revolver of this make and serial number was issued six months ago to Arthur Hyden. Arthur? Well, that's the youngest son and his father's favorite. Arthur's the one who discovered Carforo's body. Sergeant, issue an order for the arrest of Arthur Hyde. Uh, wait, wait, wait a minute, Logan, will you? Uh, before any arrests are made, before anyone's told about that gun or our identification of the stranger, let's have a talk with Robert Hyden. The old man. Uh. Yeah. He could have used his kid's gun tonight. He's the big stamp man and stamps are the link with Carfora. All right, let's have a talk with Robert Hyden. This is an imposition, Captain. Well, why should I open my office to you at this time of night? Because it affords more privacy than your living rooms upstairs, Mr. Hyden. And we'd like to have privacy. For more idiotic questions about the death of that unknown man, Mr. Casey? Uh, we'll try to keep our questions a little short of idiotic. You haven't up to now. Uh, but um, citizens must cooperate with the police, I suppose. <clears throat> Please step into my office. Uh, ladies first, Miss Williams. Oh, thanks. Now... What can I tell you that I haven't already told you before? First, Mr. Hyden, what business did you do with Angelo Carfora? Angelo Carfora? Mm-hmm. Is the name familiar? Well, of course it is. I, I never forget a client, or at least not a client who gave me cause to remember him, as this Carfora did. Well, Casey, we didn't expect him to admit, no. no. Well, uh, tell us about Carfora. Well, he, uh, he did business with me for a long time, uh, buying only seconds, uh, Stamps that are damaged in one way or another and worth only a fraction of normal value. But uh, quite frequently, he submitted uh, undamaged stamps, for my opinion, as to their genuineness. I found all of them to be forgeries except the last one he sent, which was a perfect postmaster provisional. Oh, his business meant little to me in a monetary way, but uh, he, he had a feeling for stamps. And I, I enjoyed his interesting letters. I never met the man personally, but... You, uh, you never met him? No, no, but... Why do you ask me about Carfora? I thought you were only concerned about that murder. Angelo Carfora was killed in your reception room this morning. What? He was a stranger. I, I, this, this is incredible. I, How long since you heard from uh, Carfora? Well, uh, at least a year, maybe, maybe two years. Why was he killed in my place? Mr. Hyden, have you bought some very rare stamps in the last year or so? Stamps you paid a lot for? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, less than a month ago, I was, I was lucky enough to get a Mauritius Twopenny Blue. Uh, several weeks before that, I acquired a ninepence lilac brown of Ceylon. And, uh, oh, but you don't know about stamps. Uh, these are among the blue chips of philately. I, I paid a high price for them, but they were perfect specimens. Well, who did you buy them from? Well, I've made all my best buys lately through the... Oh! That gunshot. Slug got hiding in the Could chest. Fired from that doorway. And then the door slammed shut. Well, it's locked now. Uh, lend me some of your weight, Casey. Right. <laughs> that opened it. Uh, Miss Williams, see what you can on. do for a hiding while Help we... Help me. Help him. 
Logan. I see. Break, you two. Break. This gun was on the floor beside him, Logan. A hot gun. It's Arthur's gun, Captain. I knocked it from his hand. You gave me no chance to explain, Uncle Ronald. You can explain now, Mr. Arthur. Both this gat and the one you dropped at Carfora's place tonight. But I don't know what... I heard a shot. What's happened here? Horace, your brother Arthur... Has shot his father. Arthur? No, I didn't... I didn't... Captain Logan, I'm afraid nothing can be done for Hyden. He's dead. Arthur Hyden, I'm placing you under arrest for murder. No, no. Hold it, Logan. What? Let's get this picture straight before you arrest him. Picture straight enough, Mr. Casey. I caught Arthur with the gun in his hand. But but I didn't shoot him. I just picked up that gun when Uncle Ronald grabbed me. Just picked it up? Yes. I I just come into this hall through the street door in the back. And then I heard a shot and, and loud voices in Dad's office. I ran this way and I saw the gun on the carpet. Without thinking, I... I picked it up and just then... Uh, Is that Uncle the Ron- best story you can think of, Arthur? Oh, but it's true. Horace, I swear it's true. Whereabouts in the hall were you, Mr. Ronald, when you saw Arthur with that gun? At the foot of the back stairs. I was on the floor above, and when I heard that shot, I came down three steps at a time. The shot brought you to Horace? Yes, down the front stairs. Now, you were the first on the scene, Arthur. Did you see whoever dropped that gun? No. He'd gotten away before this I... This is nonsense. Nobody dropped that gun and nobody got away. My brother is the killer, Captain. Sure, Casey, it's his play. I as... don't agree. Why not? Because Hayden was killed to cover up the murder of Carfora. And Arthur doesn't fit the Carfora picture as I see it now. Look, Casey... Arthur discovered Carfora's body. You were slugged with Arthur's gun outside Carfora's house. And now Mr. Arthur Hyden is found with the murder gun in his hand a few seconds after his father's been bumped off. What more do you want? A probable link to Carfora. But I, I don't understand. Arthur, you got a check from your father today, didn't you? Yes. How big was it? What was it for? It was $2,000. I owed a gambling debt. Again? Okay, Horace, okay. I'm no good... Dad was always paying out money to get me out of trouble. The old man was my friend, as well as my father. As my brother's favorite son, Arthur, will inherit most of Robert's estate. But I never even thought of that. If you did, you never needed Carfora. But who is this Carfora? A name isn't familiar to you, Mr. Ronald? No. How about you, Horace? I never heard the name until you mentioned it. You're a liar. I beg your pardon? How long were you your father's secretary? I... about ten years. During those ten years, like any confidential secretary, you opened your boss's mail, read it, and took his dictation when he answered it, didn't you? Yes, but But you never heard the name of Carfora? Say, what is this? You know what it is. Your father made you work while your brother was allowed to play. You hated both of them for that. You never had enough money. And through Carfora, you saw a way to make big money. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yes, you do. You played both your father and Carfora for suckers. It was easy to keep apart while you were on the job as secretary. But when you were taken sick and your uncle was put in your place, you foresaw trouble. You could think of only one way to avoid it. You knew Carfora would come to the office this morning. So you got out of bed against orders to be ready for him. When your uncle left the reception room to deliver that message about the Swedish stamp, you killed Carfora. Are you crazy? I was a mile away in a drugstore in Market Square when Carfora was killed. I talked to Uncle Ronald from a phone booth there. Yes, he did, Mr. Casey. How many phones are there in this big house, Mr. Ronald? Lines, I mean, not extensions. Why, uh, three. You used one of those two other lines to call the office line, Horace. You were nowhere near Market Square. You can't prove that. You know about the dermal nitrate test? Dermal nitrate? It'll show that you fired a gun tonight. I... I... 
You're not going to send me to the chair? Logan, drop that knife, Horace. No, no, let me kill myself. You don't read any easy way out? Easy, hang on to this knife while I slip the handcuffs on him. Okay, pal. What are you doing, Horace? You've always had all the luck, Arthur. I've always been the fall guy. I was a fool to think I could change things. But, Mr. Casey, I, I don't quite understand. Why did Horace kill my brother, and, and what was there between him and this man, Carfora? Uh, I don't get it either, Casey. And neither do I. Well, I'll tell all of you what Horace is going to put in his full confession after I take a lot of pictures. <laughs> Did Casey call a turn on Horace's full confession in advance, Miss Williams? Well, pretty nearly, Ethelbert. Well, what was the car for us set up, and how'd you know? It was all very simple. Huh? To a mastermind. Huh. Car for was a bug on philately. Stamps, that is, to you, Annie. Mm-hmm. He was a skilled engraver who had a lot of fine chemical and photographic equipment, and somebody wanted to destroy the place where he lived and worked. All of which didn't mean much to your uh, mastermind until I talked with Robert Hyden. Uh, he supplied missing parts of the puzzle. Carforius, he threw the mails, had bought a lot of rare stamps that were in reach of his pocketbook because they were damaged. And he'd sent Hyden a lot of undamaged stamps for appraisal. In Hyden's expert opinion, all were forgeries except the last. Which told uh, the great Casey that Cafora had been trying to make perfect stamps by copying damaged ones and had finally succeeded. You mean he was a stamp counterfeiter? Yeah, that's right. But he didn't try to pass his counterfeits off as a genuine article, though. He wanted to sell them for what they were, perfect copies. Mm. But Horace was hit with a big idea. He made a deal with Carfora, and an exclusive secret deal, but in his father's name. And then stamps for which he paid Carfora only a few dollars, he sold to his father and other collectors for thousands. Gee, what a racket. Yeah, like all crooked rackets, it couldn't last. Carfora called to see old man Hyden, which would have exposed the whole setup, of course, so Horace had to kill Carfora. Then he removed all identification from the little guy. Which gave him time, as he thought, to set fire to Cafaro's house and then destroy all the evidence of his counterfeiting activities before the police could see the evidence and smell a rat. Then Horace shot his old man to keep us from smelling the same rat. And tried to frame his brother for both jobs. Nice guy. Mm, charming person. Annie, it's lunchtime. Would you like to put on the feed bag with a really charming person? A meaning, of course. Oh, of course, but the great Casey. Are you paying, or do we go Dutch, or must I lend you ten until payday? Uh, now, that's a nice question. Well, it's a fair one. Like all the masterminds of my acquaintance, you're usually broke. Mm. Well, uh, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, uh, tonight I am. Uh... No wonder. Hmm? What do you mean? Well, he's been associating with stamp collectors all day. What's that got to do with it? Philately. Don't you get it? He's philately broke. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Ethel. <laughs> See you next Thursday, same time, same station, when Philip Morris again will present another exciting adventure of Casey, crime photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth. Crime Photographer is produced and directed by John Deets. It is written by Alonzo Dean Cole and is based on the fictional character of Flash Gun Casey, created by George Harmon Cox. Original music by Cy Fewer, and the program features Jan Miner as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. 
Herman Chittison is the Blue Note pianist. This is Ken Roberts saying goodnight for Philip Morris. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. There is uh, an exciting adventure of Casey, crime photographer with Death of a Stranger, August 11th, 1949, sponsored by Philip Morris, and uh, is heard on CBS with Stotts, S-T-A-A-A-T-S. Double A-M-C-O. <laughs> Amco. Stotts Cotsworth, along with Jan Minor. You're soaking in it. Um, yeah, there you have it. Casey, crime photographer. Time for Sarah Knight Adamson. She's Hollywood 360's national movie critic, and each week she reviews a new film release. Sarah, take it away. Hi, Carl, and hello to all of our listeners out there. Tonight, I'm going to talk about the movies I screened at the Telluride Film Festival in Telluride, Colorado, August 31st to September 4th. Each film festival has its unique vibe and tone. Having attended Cannes and Sundance in Toronto, I've been waiting for the right time to attend Telluride. And this year, I reported for RogerEbert.com. A standout film that will be playing in theaters in November is Alexander Payne's The Holdovers. It stars Paul Giamatti, a boarding school teacher who has holdover duty. Yep, he's watching those students whose parents aren't able to pick them up for Christmas break. Every year at Barton Academy, students, faculty, and staff depart the campus for a two-week winter break. But there are always an unfortunate few who have nowhere to go for the holidays. They're known as the Holdovers. Mr. Hunnam. Hello, Mary. I had you guys stuck with babysitting duty this year. How'd you manage that? Another film that's getting lots of buzz is Bike Riders by director Jeff Nichols. It stars Tom Hardy and Austin Butler about the Chicago suburbs motorcycle gangs that started in the 70s. It opens in December. It was a golden age of bike riders. I never felt so out of place in all my life. That's when I saw him for the first time. It took my breath away. I'm Benny. Five weeks later, I married him. I also totally enjoyed Ruskin, a TV movie coming soon to Netflix. The Ethan Hawke film, Wildcat, and the film Daddy-O, oh, they're also standouts. I'm Sarah Knight-Adamson, your national film and TV critic for Sarah's Backstage Pass. You can read about many more buzzworthy films on my website, and I'll see you next week. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. In our next hour, it's the Fred Allen Show with special guest Boris Karloff. Going back to 1945, but first, Lisa Wolf Dillon. Lisa who? Wolf Dillon. Will be our lyricist for learning the lyrics. That's right. We're on the letter L. Start thinking of titles that begin with the letter L. All right. We'll see you soon. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.